So before we begin today discussing uh, this episode 3 of Bleach, I'd like to have Patrick read something that he sent me a few years ago over Facebook. I'm going to have Patrick read his side of the conversation, which is the only side of the conversation, and uh, I will read the timestamps. So here we go. This is 3.51 a.m. Tony, I know that you don't read Bleach, but no one is up right now, and I literally have to scream at you. Tony... He fucking went bonkai. Do you have any clue? The Ufking! The MPLJ! The Y! Motherload! 3.53 a.m. Tony, you're not taking this nearly as seriously as you should. <laughs> it could have been anyone. It really but, I, it was, but I chose you to receive my, confu- my chaotic confusion. <laughs> Good morning, Indiana. My name is Tony Perrin. And I'm Patrick Drennan. And this is Drinking Bleach. The premise of this podcast is that each week, one person who hates anime, myself, and one person who loves anime, Patrick, are going to watch an episode of Bleach and discuss it. And this week we watched episode three. In this episode, we're, uh, we're picking up right where episode two left off, so we've gotten, uh, uh, last episode we called her Inoue, but uh, her given name is actually Orihime, so... We're going to be calling her that from now on, since apparently everybody does. Her brother, whose name is Sora, apparently. Yeah, so we're picking up from episode two, which left off with Ichigo being attacked by a serpent-like hollow, revealing that it was actually Orihime's brother. So now we're going into traditional back-to-form anime mode, which is backstory, backstory, sad. Mm-hmm. So uh, we learned that the hollows, which... The hollow is not just the person... Who is, uh, who is dead and has not entered the Soul Society. The Hollow is a separate spirit, or some entity, which joins with the spirits of the dead. Where you have the person and then also the distinct evil spirit there. And so we learned that Hollows target people who were familiar to them when they were alive. So the, the Hollow that is uh, Sora, that is Orihime's brother, is targeting Orihime. Sora attacks Orihime in her house, and uh, Orihime's friend Tatsuki is just knocked to the floor and he tries to choke her, but Orihime herself is pulled out of her body, and so her spiritual form is sitting there with a chain going from her chest to her mortal body. Ah yes, the chain of fate. The chain of fate. Which, if severed, would permanently render her lifeless, but since it's still attached to her, she still has a, 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 a mortal coil, if you will, and you should. But preventing Orihime's permadeath is Ichigo arriving on the scene to stave off her horrible snake-like brother. Ichigo and and, uh, and Ruki arrive, and they kind of fight off uh, Sora for a little bit. They're not doing too good of a job, but they're managing to keep him at bay so he can't so he can't permanently kill Orihime. Luckily, they are in an anime where the fighting is done through monologues or dialogues. So luckily, this is keeping everyone alive at this point. And this is also a good... This is a, this is a part of the episode where the sad backstories are revealed true to anime form. So we, <laughs> we learn that Orihime's brother has been taken care of, or prior to his death had been taken care of Orihime um, pretty much all her life. Their parents died when uh, she was a wee uh, Tomagachi, <laughs> if yes. I recall correctly. <laughs> We should mention that Sora is much older than Orihime. He seems to have, like, a good at least decade on her. Mm -hmm. 
So her parents appeared to have left uh, Orihime shortly after she was born, and now Sora has raised Orihime for most of her life. Yes, so establishing a very, um, not only sibling bond, but also parental role that he filled in their absence, Mm -hmm. making them very lovable. And so early on in this episode, uh, the the Sora Hollow claims that it was Orihime stopping uh, praying for his soul after a time that brought him to uh, that brought him to become a Hollow. Then later on, Orihime claims that it was her who kept praying for him that and kept wanting him around that was the reason he was brought back. So we seem to have a pair of dueling ideologies, and I'm not sure if either of these are actually rules in this in this Bleach universe. As an animologist, I, uh, I, I think this is a pretty classic, like, like as I said, this was an episode of flashbacks and sad mm-hmm. flashbacks. So a lot of times what happens in anime is a villain will have a flashback. They'll use that to um, justify what they're doing. They'll say, this is what happened to me, and mm-hmm. thus I am here doing this. And then someone will say, actually, no, you can't let that be, like, that's not right no matter what. So... What happens here, I think, is something like that, where Orihime is combating his justification, which I think is interesting in itself, because backstories are supposed to redeem villains, they're supposed to make them identifiable uh-huh. and stuff, but he's, but this is still a wicked thing he's talking about, it's still like a selfish, like, she stopped, like, she stopped praying for him, and that, like, sucks for him, but I mean, it's, it's a very selfish thing, and it's not, it's not pure, or it doesn't, it doesn't redeem him, it makes it still, it makes it more wicked, I mean, he's... It, it, mm-hmm. it really, it's you know, makes the 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 hollow that I guess uh, sort of tainted his soul really come out there. And so I think Orihime, I'm not sure if it's exactly rules on how you know, like on how like or if it's like an operative rule that they're both um, revealing more than just a trope. The reason I think it's not really a rule is because uh, soon after this, we learn the quote unquote real reason that Sora has been brought back as a hollow, and that's because. The Hollows are targeting uh, Ichigo directly, and they're doing this by striking at the people closest to him. So they find they find Sora wandering around by himself in the underworld and put a put a Hollow spirit in him. And it's a very roundabout way of getting to him because instead of directly attacking his siblings or his father or something, they attack like it's like it's well, his just... siblings aren't dead. What's that? So his his siblings aren't dead, so I don't know if they could use any of them. Well, in the uh, first episode, they um... oh yeah, that's right, they did attack his house. Yeah, which is. It's, which is interesting because they but they have the they have the capacity to attack the both the living and the dead. So I just thought it was funny because they go, they go by like it's like when you look on LinkedIn and you realize you're connected by someone by like nine friends <laughs> and like that's the guy they went for to like get to Ichigo. <laughs> Once Sora learns that the reason that he's still around now is because the Hollows are trying to strike at Ichigo, he gets kind of self-sacrificial and grabs Ichigo's sword and uh, threatens to stab himself. <laughs> yeah, well, because what happens there is uh, Ichigo's about to be demolished, and then Orihime comes in and blocks the blow, suffering damage herself, and that's when they—that's when she has her own heartfelt thing, like, oh, no, I, was, I yeah. didn't stop praying for you, I just moved on, like, I thought you would want his humanity returns to him, and during that brief second of having a soul that's remotely human, he wants to kill himself. Yeah, he doesn't want to be retaken over by the Hollow, because he'll just continue to attack Orihime. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want that to happen. Yeah, and you wanted to mention um, what you called some sort of soul euthanasia. Yeah, the anime known as Bleach is a pro-euthanasia anime. <laughs> Self-euthanasia. Yes. 
Before he kills himself, Sora shares a brief moment with uh, Orihime, and they kind of reconcile as best they can under the circumstances. And then the episode cuts very carefully around Sora actually stabbing himself in the chest. In one scene, the sword is just there, and then he vanishes into little bubbles of light, leaving the sword behind. Not soon after that do we find ourselves back at the high school, which yes. was delightfully absent from the last two episodes. So hopefully The last episode. Oh, was that it? was all of the second episode. Ah, yes. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the, the bleach expert around here might be me. Though, <laughs> don't get cocky, Tony. <laughs> But yeah, so we learned that just like what Rukia had done to Ichigo's parents, she had done to Orihime to prevent this X-Files knowledge from proliferating in the, yeah. in the world. Yeah, Rukia has a Men in Black style memory flasher thingy, which instead of a, a fancy like gunmetal tube is just a lighter with a bird head on a spring. So there's something interesting about the world building I wanted to talk about, because obviously it's not something that you can identify, but hopefully it's something that raises questions or something you notice. Yeah. But we're learning more that the hollows, especially in this episode, the hollows not only have physical consequences in the, in the real world for their actions, but their consequences, obviously, to people who don't know what hollows are, they can't... Um, yeah, they can't see the hollows, yeah, but they can see the, the effects of them. Yeah, they can't... Uh, they can't see them, or what, but they attribute things to them. And so, like, as we saw of uh, episode two, we noticed that Orihime had claw marks on her leg. So, yeah, so the, so hollows leave marks in the real world, which is interesting to think about, you know, how how often are things, like, how many, like, buildings... Was 9-11 a hollow? <laughs> <laughs> this is the second podcast in which we've mentioned 9-11. <laughs> this very much could be. This could be the running theme here. But yeah, it um... was just an offhand joke before, but... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's... In episode 1, that when where the first hell is introduced, like, gas mains are breaking, and the, there's yeah. claw marks being dragged across buildings. What are they telling children... Because <laughs> this isn't like an alternate. Of course, this is an alternate universe. But this isn't an alternate universe where there's like fictitious. Uh, like fictitious. Yeah, this is supposed to be our world, more yeah. or less. Yes, and so there's no like hollow patrol. Like they just mm-hmm. don't. People just don't know these things exist. So there's like claw marks just in the, in the sides of buildings, which is interesting because at least they try to explain some of it, as in the case of Orihime, And there are times where they do say these are like gas main leaks. Uh-huh. So then, like some then there's an explosion. Or some, that's what they attribute to a lot of hollow attacks. Interesting to, to wonder and hope that that's used as, um, I guess, like a, a more operative theme. Yeah, that kind of goes back to the idea of Rukia erasing people's memories with her little bird head thingamajig. Mm-hmm. And so we learn that Orihime thinks that her house was destroyed by a pro wrestler. A sumo wrestler. She was uh-huh. criticized for not saying pro wrestler to make it more... Oh, I thought it was the other way around. <laughs> no. <laughs> this, uh, this kind of ties in with... Uh, with the aftermath of the destruction of Ichigo's house in the first episode. And so this is kind of a running theme, not just the fact that there are real-world consequences to it, but that people might realize what's going on but are sort of willfully blind to this. This might be be really good if there's a Buffy-style payoff to it, where eventually people are like, yeah, we know there's a lot of weird stuff going on, but I don't want to talk about it. It's weird. (laughs) It's weird and confusing. Yeah. (laughs) This this unsettles my worldview. (laughs) So yeah, if there's a payoff to that, that would be really good. My worldview, which does not tolerate monsters that are invisible. <laughs> and also, um, 
Hollows attack live people, which you assume living people have been killed by Hollows. Uh-huh. So what does that look like in the real world? Like, do people just drop dead? Like, like you know, like like how many heart attacks are people like having their souls ripped out of their bodies? <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting. The world of Bleach is a dark world. Yeah, it's uh, and it's the only world I want to live in. <laughs> <laughs> Something we kind of brushed over earlier is that it's apparent in opposition to the Soul Society, which is basically heaven. The Hollows also have some sort of society, or at least some sort of hierarchy going on, because they are coordinating attacks. They aren't just random, wandering damn souls. Yes. They have an agenda. Yes, so when you see um, Sora being ambushed by Hollows and uh, being transformed, it's not in a cityscape, it's not where he recently died, it's not anything that looks like our world at all, it's like a, a desert. Yeah. Which, um, who knows, perhaps that is the Hollow world. <laughs> I was pretty hard on the high school stuff last week, and this week has another appearance of something that is apparently very cliche, which is the the sappy, emotional-style ending. And while this, the resolution to this was, it was a bit over the top, it was a bit, uh, it was a bit sappy, but I'm a big fan of the emotional-style resolutions rather than some big generic fight scene at the end. How do you think uh, this could have ended? The basic structure of the way the ending worked is fine. It's just a bit too over the top. It's a, there's a bit too it's a bit too melodramatic. Mm. If you could uh, if you could tone it down a little bit, and if this would be, <laughs> I don't even know why I'm saying that. But... Like the create like the ant like the producers and like the developers are listening. They, it doesn't matter that the anime's over. Like, <laughs> could you just keep in mind? <laughs> I'm just saying that if. If this was toned down a bit, I think this would be a very fine resolution to an episode. One based in, based solidly on the emotional cores of the characters, mm-hmm. rather than crappy fight scenes. Because the fight scenes so far have not been very impressive. Yes, They've well, been very much generic anime fight scenes where people hold swords and poses for a long time. Well, yes, the, the, um, the place and time we're looking at Bleach right now, I think, it got animated in 2000, and I think started getting animated in 2004 or five or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a post 9/11 anime. It's a, it's a post 9/11 anime. It's from a studio that sucks dick. Because <laughs> um, right now they're animating Tokyo Ghoul and they suck. Um, yeah, the, the conventions. I, I, it's probably not appropriate to talk about now here, but the conventions. I'll just say for anime production and who, what, stu- what studios get what animes are kind of funky. Yeah, we're looking at a low-budget anime right now that I'd like to attribute that to, I guess, just the, you know, frame-by-frame fights. It's not very exciting. Hopefully it gets mm-hmm. better. And luckily we're only in episode 3 of 3,000, <laughs> so we're a percent done. Also, All right. it's not the right math. Tony, you can't forget the uh, review. What is this episode? Yeah, I'm going to give this uh, four Bleach Chugs out of five, because I like the emotional core of it. It was a bit much, but I liked the the basic idea of it. Well, hopefully these uh, screws get tightened or loosened, depending on the machine that Bleach is. I'm imagining <laughs> a truck. So before we finish up here, Patrick, is there anything you would like to promote? To promote? Yeah. Yes. I'd like to promote us. Across the web. Retweet us. Reblog us. Post us to things you own on the web sphere. Please, for the love of God, this is how we make our money. <laughs> yes, we've we're so far about uh, five dollars in the hole right now. We went to college for this. <laughs> I owe fifty six thousand dollars. If nothing else, I would like to uh, make back the five dollars I spent on supplies for this podcast. He's before not the end kidding. Of it. <laughs>
If only you could see it. There is a cloth box <laughs> and a bungee cord with a uh, stocking tie clips to it. I spent $2,000 on a laptop to record this. <laughs> you could have used a phone! Well, don't you, have, don't you have like a blog or something though? Yeah, I have like three blogs. <laughs> and well, now I'm on Good right. luck finding them. <laughs> well, well, I would like to plug my Japanese translation blog, hotokeinoishi.tumblr.com, where every week I post a new translation of something I'm working on. Right now I'm serializing a book called Valley of Lamentation, which is about the worst bear attack in Japanese history. And before that, I translated about 50 short stories by the author Kudagawa Yunosuke. So there's a whole lot there for everybody to check out. That's hotokenoishi.tumblr.com. H-O-T-O-K-E-N-O-I-S-H-I.tumblr.com. How the, hell do, how the hell did they know that wasn't a bear? Uh, a hollow? It could have been. I found out the other day that uh, this book, it features in an anime that just came out, apparently. No, what was the anime? I don't remember. Some dumb thing where Bear no fight. Shigeki. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Leave us a comment and or rating on iTunes, or send your concerns to drinkingthebleach at gmail.com. That's drinkingthebleach at gmail.com. This will help us spread the word, the gospel, if you will, of drinking bleach. And also, uh, actually, I, I have nothing to say. I just kind of interrupted you. <laughs> Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Sure.